Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for September the 21st, 2023, and I am delighted to have this time with you. Um, I'm recording this, of course, on Wednesday, so I'm already thinking, by the time you see this, it will be about last night, but I'm already thinking about tonight and how the Lord is going to work and, and just the wonderful time that we have had this week with homecoming and special services. And let me just go ahead and say thank you to all those who worked so hard to pull everything off from deacons that, y'all, we had a passel of people on Sunday and, and chairs and tables had to be moved. I don't ever remember having that many people eat with us for, for homecoming. I don't even know how many people we had in worship, but nevertheless, wonderful, wonderful day. And then special services. And of course, last night, our, our ice cream social and, and dessert social, always fabulous. So thank you all so much for being a part of that time. It is my prayer that you were blessed like I was blessed. My goodness, what a what a wonderful thing it is to see the Lord at work, to see how the Holy Spirit is strengthening and encouraging the church. And I would encourage you all to be in prayer for Joe, to be in prayer for those who work with him um, abroad. In fact, those um, those um, oh goodness, the uh, indigenous. Sorry, I couldn't think of the. The word there, the indigenous pastors, the indigenous missionaries, those that are carrying forth the word. What a wonderful harvest is taking place in Africa. What a what a ripe harvest is ready, but there needs to be workers in the field. So thank you so much for your prayers in advance. Now, where we're picking up today is in Acts chapter 11, and we're picking up where we left off after this amazing thing has happened in chapter 10, where not only do we see this these visions, these incredible things happening by the Holy Spirit, you find Peter, Simon Peter, a Jew, entering into the house of a Gentile, and, and not only does he stay with them, not only does he eat with them, he actually baptizes them, y'all, and it's this incredible, wonderful thing. We we read this uh, this statement from Peter yesterday at the end of chapter ten, and this is in verse forty six. He said, "It says, or excuse me, verse forty seven." Then Peter said, "Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water?" Now, yesterday I gave you different options as to you know why Peter said this, what the connotation was to this, and I gave you my opinion on it. And today you're going to see why that's my opinion on, on, on what Peter said. In essence, what I told you is what Peter's really asking is, can anybody stop God? It's a good question, isn't it? When the Lord is working, who can stop him? He's, he's the Lord Almighty. He reigns over all things. So I'm getting ahead of myself, though. Um, as we left off with yesterday, though, the response to this, while you would think, hey, all right, great. Now it's not just us anymore. Now the Gentiles are going to have the gospel. You would think, yes, marvelous. The response would be incredible. You'd be wrong. Let's pray and we'll figure out why. Our Father, we thank you so much for this time that you've given to us. Thank you for your word and all that it reveals. It is full. It is comprehensive. It is complete. It is the complete and total package. And you have given it to us so that we may know you so that we may know what our calling is, so that we may know how to please you, and so that we may know how to live a life in accordance with your word, but a life that's good for us, a life that is complete and filling. Thank you so much, Father, for your love and for your mercy and giving us your word. Please now guide us by your spirit as we move forward. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. 
All right, so before I prayed, I mentioned the fact that you would think the response to this would be fantastic, but you'd be wrong. Yesterday, we read the first couple of verses. In fact, I think it was the first first three verses of Acts chapter 11 to get the response to this incredible thing that has happened, this, this major shift in the Christian movement to where it's not just Jews anymore. Okay, it's not just Jews around Jerusalem that are receiving the gospel and they're converting and they're becoming a part of the church. Now it has reached the Gentiles, which shouldn't be a surprise. Didn't Jesus say you know, Judea, Samaria, right? That's Samaria. And then to the utmost ends of the earth. And his people are being faithful to it. This goes to show when you're faithful to the word. Oh, and I, I wish I could remember the statement that Joe made by the time you see this a couple of nights ago. When you honor the word, the Lord honors the work. I think that's what he said. Man, I like that. I like it. That, that is powerful. When you honor the word, the Lord honors the work. That's all that's going on here in Acts. That's all that's going on in places around the world where Christianity is booming, okay? And indeed it is. But back to this, okay? Acts chapter 11, we're going to start reading in verse 1 again. It says, The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. Pause for just a second. I made very brief note of this, okay? But I want to make note of this again because something is revealed in Acts chapter 11, verse 1 that is so fundamental to our understanding of the scriptures. Y'all realize here what has just been said. The apostles and the brothers, the church in Judea is equating the gospel message. They are equating the teaching of the apostles to the word of God. So what should that do? That should do away with any silly notion we would have from liberal theologians that Peter and, and, and others that wrote the New Testament, that they didn't know they were writing the Bible, that this wasn't even considered the Bible until the Catholics decided to name these letters as books. No, no, do not fall for that liberal nonsense. And I'm not talking about Republican or Democrat liberal. I'm talking about theologically liberal. Don't fall for that nonsense. Not only do we have Acts 11.1 testify to the fact that they knew that what Peter was going out and doing was revealing the word of God, equating it to scripture. Fast forward to Peter's epistle. When Peter talks about Paul's writings, he says that some are difficult to understand as are all the scriptures, okay? Peter equates Paul's writings to the church as scripture. So don't just gloss over this. This is very important to our understanding of what makes up the New Testament. If you hear some nonsense that, oh, well, we didn't even have the New Testament until the Roman Catholics decided it in 380 AD. No, don't believe that. They knew this was scripture. Okay. So <clears throat> again, chapter 11, verse one, the apostles and brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So verse two, so when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Y'all, something's going on in Jerusalem. 
Something serious is going on in Jerusalem. Let's just go ahead and state the obvious. Don't they sound exactly like the Pharisees who were dealing with Jesus? You know, questioning the fact that Jesus' disciples were not properly washing their hands after going to the marketplace. It had nothing to do with hygiene and cleanliness. It had everything to do with the fact that they might have, have brushed up against a Gentile, okay, and become unclean. So that's the obvious, right? They have this, this old understanding of Gentiles as being unclean people. But the deeper thing there is, it, it's amazing. It doesn't take long. Don't, don't even fool yourself, y'all. Some people talk about old established churches and their traditions and blah, blah, blah. And yeah, it's true. Old established churches have traditions. But if you meet two Sundays, you're going to build traditions. You can have a brand new church that's in a storefront beside Walmart. It don't matter. People love tradition. We love to substitute things for God's word. That's just in us, y'all. Inside each one of us. I, I remember going to college, right? And seminary for that matter. And, and, also in my doctoral work, which I need to finish the dissertation, but that's another point. But nevertheless, you know what the first thing I did was when I got to class? Um, this is not a syllabus, but I, I did the syllabus from the professor. And, and, you know, it talks about the class and it talks about the different things. It talks about the grading scale. I didn't care about I, I I flipped to the back page. You know why I flipped to the back page? Because I wanted to see from that syllabus what I had to do to get out of that class. Human nature is to desire a list to follow, right? And what this betrays here is a legalism, a traditionalism, a curse territory mentality that has already sprung up within the New Testament church. And y'all, we ain't that far past Acts chapter two. It has not taken long for territory to develop. And the fact is, is that we still deal with that. Y'all, you know, there are lots of things that turn people off when it comes to the church. But you want to know one of the just the ugliest, nastiest things about Christianity? It has nothing to do with Christianity at all. It has everything to do with sinfulness. It's when we develop a sense of curf where it's, oh, no, no, this is mine. And nobody better go messing with this in the church because this is my thing to do. Or nobody better mess with this committee because this is my my committee and, and this and that and the other. Y'all, it's just ugly. And the Lord hates that kind of thing. He really does. That's what's going on here. You would think, right, that these people that have listened to Jesus's teaching, right, that have listened to the apostles teaching, that know that their commission is to take the gospel to the utmost ends of the earth, you would think that their response would be one of elation, that they would be so happy. But in reality, they're threatened. And when people are threatened, they can respond in all sorts of ways that are not good. That's what we see going on here. That's all this is. Read between the lines. Now, yesterday, I, I hope I didn't step on too many toes. Get out of here, fly. I hope I didn't step on too many toes because I talked about how, yeah, all those, those silly Judean Christians, you know, what's wrong with those people? We can do the same thing here and now. We can look at people groups and we can say, well, they're going to come to the gospel or fill in the blank, y'all. We can have turf and territory just as bad, if not worse, than the Judeans. I will say this, at least their turf and territory was rooted in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, generations of being, quote, God's chosen people set apart by him with all sorts of ceremonial laws. 
they've been fulfilled. Not everybody realizes that. Peter had the vision. They didn't have the vision. He's about to share it. And to their credit, upon hearing the truth, things would change, at least in the temporary. This this subject of Jew versus Gentile Christian would crop up again and again and again and again all throughout the New Testament church. And sadly, that spirit of that carries on to this day. So what you have there, we've made it through verse three. They're, they're in this state of disbelief that Peter could dare go into the house of uncircumcised men and eat with them. Verse four, Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, birds of the air. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Time out. Remember what we read from Mark chapter 7? Peter here betrays himself. He's dealing with the old man, the old Jew, the old Peter, right? In Mark chapter 7, Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean. It's what comes out. It's not the food. It's not the people. That's not the issue. It's what you do that makes you unclean. Peter shows himself here. I mean, he, he, without any guile at all, he reveals his response, his wrong response. And that's to Peter's credit. Verse nine, the voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times and then it was pulled up to heaven again. Right then, and this is Acts eleven eleven. right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. Now we find out that the ones that went with him from Joppa have now come with him to Judea, to Jerusalem, right, to testify. Verse 13, he told us how we had how he had seen an angel appear in his house and said, send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. All right, remember I said there was some disagreement as to whether or not Cornelius was saved before Peter came? This ought to clear everything up with that disagreement. He flat out says that Cornelius revealed the fact that the spirit, that the angel said, hey, send for this guy and the message that he brings you is gonna save you. It also explains why they're just waiting there. And when Peter says, may I ask why you've called me here? And Cornelius says, hey, we're here. We're ready to listen to whatever you have to say. Cornelius believed the angel of the Lord, right? Verse 13, as I began to speak, this is Peter talking again, as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, Peter is revealing some of those things that went through his mind that up until this moment, we weren't privy to. But the beautiful thing is how something works here, right? When Peter is in this situation of not knowing what to do, what comes to mind? What did the Holy Spirit bring to mind? The word of God. 
specifically Jesus's own statement about the promise of baptism with the Holy Spirit, right? Um, fast forward to you and me today. When we're in situations and we don't know what to do, what should the Holy Spirit do? Holy Spirit brings forward the word of God. But, y'all, this is where our responsibility comes in. This is where our calling comes in. Remember what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 119? Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against God. Your word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. Make sure you know the word because it's when you're in those situations that you don't know what to do. The Holy Spirit uses the word of God, okay? After all, it is the sword of the spirit, right? Now, getting back to this, Peter reveals what's gone through his mind and then he comes to the crux of the matter here. Verse 17, so... And this is why he said, who can stop these people from being baptized? So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? Peter really just lays it on the line here. He gets down to the very core of the issue. And it's simple deduction. Peter had the vision. He's talked about the vision, right? Where it's not only about food, he realizes it's about Gentiles as well, not calling anything unclean that the Lord has made clean. He gets that part. But it's the simple reason that he and the apostles had been given the Holy Spirit. Those who were in Christ, those Judeans that became Christians, were given the Holy Spirit. And very clearly, God gave the Holy Spirit to the Gentiles. What this ought to show us, you know, as a side note is, as a pastor, I don't baptize with the Holy Spirit. There is no preacher out there, whether he's got a tent for a revival or or a, a Learjet that he flies to, it doesn't matter. None of us baptize with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the gift of God, and we do not dispense it. We do not have the power. The Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son to glorify the Father, right? That's what the Holy Spirit, you and I are not a part of that equation in terms of us commanding the Holy Spirit to do anything. Our job is to yield to the Spirit. We don't command the Holy Spirit. But through simple deduction here, through through simple reasoning, Peter said, you know, Jesus promised his people would be given the Holy Spirit, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We were baptized with the Holy Spirit. We received the Spirit. God gave the Spirit to them. So God must be in this. And Peter, with the firmest conviction, just simply says, who was I to think that I could oppose God? It's a very good question, isn't it? Our initial answer to that question would be, oh, well, yeah, nobody can oppose God. Who would even try? The reality is, is that all of us try when we don't yield to a spirit. When the Spirit gives us a calling, when God reveals something to us in his word that is a very clear command, every time we decide to do things our way instead of God's way, every time we turn a blind eye to what is needed in the world around us, every every time we're just concerned with us, every time we crawl into our holy huddle and pretend as though the rest of the world around us isn't going to hell, we oppose God. We do. 
to our shame and to our loss because the Lord gives us this responsibility, yes, but this grand privilege to be a part of his grand redemptive plan, to be a part of what's going on. And if you've been at special services, you know that the incredible things, and that's just a picture, y'all. That's just a that's just a glimpse. We didn't even talk about what's going on in India and China, around the world where believers, Joe, and by the time you see this, it'll be two nights ago, but he talked about how in Ghana, ISIS came in and started burning churches down, burning churches to the ground and kidnapping people, carrying them away. They don't even know what happened to them. These are Christians. They don't even know what happened to them. But in the same week, they're back down at the river baptizing people that are converting to Christianity. Oh, that's the essence of, of who can stop the Lord. Who was I to think I could oppose God? It's going on all around us. But if we refuse to see it, if we refuse to yield to the spirit, oh, it's to our shame. Yes, um, it's an indictment. Absolutely. But what a loss. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, we say all the time, I hear all the time, why doesn't God do miracles like he did before? What you looking at? I'm telling you, he's doing them all the time. But if we refuse to live by the Spirit, if we won't live for Christ, we're not going to see him. Now, getting back to Acts chapter 11, how did they respond to this? Well, they responded as the only way that they could have responded. Verse 16, or excuse me, verse 18. When they heard this, They had no further objections and praised God, saying, So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Now, don't read that in a cynical fashion. It's prefaced with the fact that they said this while praising God. Y'all, what we have here, I think, in a word, is delight. Delight over the fact that our God can save anybody. Our God can go into any situation at any time. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, right? Our God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And let me tell you something, these Jews that became Christians, if you would have told them a few years prior to this, number one, you're going to be a follower of Christ, they would have said, come on. But almost equally as crazy to them, would be the idea that they would be calling Gentiles brothers. Whoo, y'all talk about revolution here. But you see, that's what our God does. That's what the spirit does. He breaks down all these barriers that we create because the earth is his, the world is his and everything in it. And the beauty of the gospel is that through Christ, we are joint heirs. We should not miss out on what he's doing. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us, and we pray that you would work in our hearts. Let us be ever ready, ever ready to yield to your spirit. Thank you for what you are doing, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and then again on Monday morning at 6 a.m. As always, if I can do anything for you, if you need anything, please don't hesitate to reach out. Until we meet again, I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Enjoy that fall weather out there. It's beautiful. Take care.